0: Very many thanks for inviting me to speak today. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, This is a paper that's going to appear hopefully this year in the journal Sociology and it follows on from some work that you may have come across uh, that was published in 2013 in the British Journal of Sociology. The motivation for for the work is something that we all know and that we've all known actually for about 20 years now the fact that um, British-born ethnic minorities, although they're more likely to go to university than uh, uh, white British young people, they're actually disproportionately <coughs> represented in the new universities and certain ethnic minority groups are really very uh, thin on the ground in the most selective institutions. Um, and I'm going to focus actually on the Russell Group, uh, pick, pick out the Russell Group as this group of most uh, highly selective institutions. And what I want to ask in this paper is, why is it that British ethnic minorities are not just less likely to be at these universities, but are actually less likely to be offered places? Um, some earlier research has shown that if you take uh, applicant data and you control statistically for differences in, in prior attainment, offer rates are lower for ethnic minority applicants. And I'm going to uh, show you some prior evidence on that and try and take it a bit f- further to unpack why uh, this is the case. No. Okay. okay, so so I, as I've said by way of introduction, certain ethnic minority groups are really poorly represented at um, the most selective universities, Russell Group universities, uh, not least of all. And this was put really starkly in Alan Milburn's report, uh, University Challenge, a few years ago, that there are actually more uh, young black men in prison than there are at Russell Group universities, and I think that just um, is a startling statistic. Now, this is something that's not really been paid much attention to by policymakers, by politicians, by the media, until I would say the last few years. And one of the things that um, helped to bring it to the attention uh, of of policymakers and the media was um, something that MP David Lammy did in 2010. Um, He was then, I think, just stopped being the Minister for Higher Education. He wrote an article in The Guardian called The Oxbridge Whitewash, Um, and and the article that he wrote was based on some information he'd got from Oxford and Cambridge Colleges through a Freedom of Information request, because it's not publicly available uh, information. He'd asked them to supply him with uh, figures on all the applicants broken down by ethnicity over the last few years, uh, and then who, who offers were made to and who eventually ended up going to those Oxford and Cambridge Colleges. And as he as he as he um, stated in his um, article in the Guardian, that in the year that, that they looked that in the most recent year that they had data for, there was just one Black British Caribbean student who was admitted to Oxford uh, across all the colleges. And he pointed out that some colleges haven't admitted Black uh, students for, uh, for for multiple years and that when you look at the success rates, the offer rates for applicants from different ethnic groups, there are really stark differences. And so what Lamy tried to point out was that it's not simply a case that ethnic minorities are not applying to these universities, although that may be part of the, prob- part of the issue for some groups, it's actually that uh, places are not being awarded at the same rate as for white applicants. And some of you may know that David Lamy uh, issued a call for evidence on this. He's looking, he, 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 together with the Runnymede Trust, is, is uh, doing a review of race and higher education, right from access issues for students through to uh, the composition of the, the professoriate. Um, and Runnymede is going to publish something um, where I'm in January next month, which I'll come to at the very end, bringing this, this together. So, this is, an, this is a very important, very current uh, policy issue and the issue of who gets made offers at, from these universities is really important. I just want to start by kind of giving you some just basic uh, illustrative statistics so we can see what the, what the dimensions of the problem are. This uh, table shows you um, each row is a, a different uh, ethnic group as, as identified by the UK census and in the first column what we have is uh, the the column adds up to 100% so this is the ethnic distribution of young people um, in in this country and I appreciate that higher education is not about just about young people but just for illustrative purposes this is the ethnic distribution of young people so almost 20% um, of young people in this country are not white British or are of an ethnic minority background the second column tells you what the um, ethnic breakdown is of the student population or rather of entrance to universities in the early 2010s and what we can see is what I just mentioned that we all know that white British young people are a bit less uh, represented in HE generally than we would expect given their population proportion uh, nationally and all of the ethnic minority groups almost without exception are are better represented in universities than we might expect based on (coughs) but if we look specifically at Entrance to the Russell Group universities, and the figures are even starker if we focus on Oxford and Cambridge. We see that white British are overrepresented by a few percentage points, and then, particularly the Black Caribbean, Black African, uh, Black other category, and Pakistanis and Bangladeshis are actually quite severely underrepresented in these uh, universities. Note, though, that those sort of Indian, Chinese, and mixed origin are actually doing okay, at least in terms of representation in, in these universities at the end of the day as we'll see that's not actually the same as saying that there's no disparity in, in their chances of being offered a place when they apply let's break this down into thinking about okay who you know who's applying to the Russell group and then who's getting offered places uh, given that they've applied so again we have um the different ethnic groups This is from UCAS data for the last couple of years. And the first column tells you um, what percentage of applications submitted by UCAS applicants from that ethnic group were directed at a Russell Group university. So we can see that white British university applications are much more likely to be sent to Russell Group universities than applications that come from from black applicants, um, Pakistani and Bangladeshi applicants. And previous work has shown that that's actually a reflection of the lower uh, GCSE and A-level profiles of these students. These are highly selective universities, uh, so it, it wouldn't make sense for the, for the application rates to be the same, and in fact if you were just for the, uh, if you take into account the differences in A-levels, then uh, applicants from these minority groups are as likely to apply as whites with the same grades. Yeah? So, one Russell Group university or five Russell Group universities, they're, they show the same on that table? No, okay. I'm, here I'm, I'm, if somebody applies to five universities, they're represented five times in the okay, data set, same. so this is, this is about applications rather than applicants. Okay, yeah. so there would be five schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but notice that those of Indian Chinese and mixed ethnic backgrounds are as likely, if not more likely, to apply to these universities. Now, at the second column, this is the percentage of applications f- from different ethnic groups that get an, an initial offer of a place, usually a conditional offer. Um, often, you know, applicants are applying before they've got their grades, so they're applying on the basis of predicted grades, and then they've got to meet the offer in order to actually to actually go there at the end of the day. But again, we see really stark differences, right? So, you know, in, in some cases, the success rate, initial success rate for white British applicants, is like double that of ethnic minority applicants. And there's even a disparity between white British applicants and these groups, Indian, Chinese and mixed ethnicity groups, who we know actually do really well at GCSE and A, and a- level. And so we you know—you wouldn't imagine that, oh, it's probably just because their, their grades aren't as good. So this is what I want to explore in some detail today, to try and understand what's <coughs> going on here. What, Why are these offer rates so different uh, and so much lower for ethnic minority applicants compared to White applicants. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through actually three explanations that have been posited for this pattern, and they are. I say they're posited ex- explanations because they're actually really they're actually assertions. They're claims that have been made by Oxford and Cambridge and the Russell Group more generally, without actually any evidence, detailed evidence to, to back these assertions up. I'm going to take you through what those are. Asser- those positive explanations are, and then we're going to test them against the empirical data to see if they hold water. I'm going to give you three uh, positive explanations that come from the universities themselves, and then I'm going to actually posit a fourth one and test that (coughs) one as well, and, and well, I'll come to that when we get there. All right, so the first positive explanation, which we've touched upon already, is the claim that the offer rates are different because ethnic minority applicants are less likely to have the grades needed to get into these highly selective institutions. And that was exactly the line that Oxford took when they replied in The Guardian to David Lammy's original article. Uh, They were very quick to point out uh, that school attainment is the problem, as was mentioned in the introductions earlier. Uh, Blame it on the schools, blame it on the, the applicants, they're just not up to scratch in terms of their qualifications. So they point to the the comparatively small number of black students who've got three A's um, at A level, and basically saying well of course we don't have any black people here because they, there are so few of them with the requisite grades. Now we, we know that some groups do perform less well at A level, but we want to obviously ask the question, okay if we factor that in what, what happens? Are ethnic minority applicants just as likely to get offers from these universities once we factored in those grade differences? And I think I've already told you, right, that that's not the answer. no. So the second positive explanation that is also something that's been asserted, but no evidence has, robust evidence has been, or any detailed evidence at all, robust or otherwise, has been presented to su- to really support this. And this is the claim that ethnic minority applicants are getting a fewer offers because they just got the wrong subjects for the degree that they want to do. Um you'll know that the Russell Group, a couple of years ago, um, mm-hmm. published a document called Informed Choices, where they pointed to fas- facilitating subjects, a very Orwellian kind of bit of terminology perhaps, um, where they said, you know, you've got, there are these particular subjects that we value that are relevant to our degree courses, um, and the problem is that applicants from state schools, from ethnic minority backgrounds, are, uh, being poorly advised and they're, and they're not taking the right subjects. These are the facilitating subjects. You're probably already familiar with them. It pains me deeply that sociology is not listed here as a facilitating subject. Um, but they're basically, I guess, national curriculum subjects in a way, aren't they? they bi- biology, chemistry, physics and maths, um, the sciences, English, geography, history, languages and the arts. And having these subjects is, you know... Advantageous if you want to get into a Russell Group University. So, you know, we can ask the question empirically, is it really true that once we factor in whether people have got these facilitating A-level subjects or not, as well as their grades, that actually the ethnic differences in offer rates disappear? Okay, the third positive explanation. Again, uh, unevidenced um, positive explanation. The claim is made that the, uh, the missing piece of the puzzle is that ethnic minority applicants are um, disproportionately <coughs> applying to subjects where there are many many applicants and it's really hard to get a place and the offer rates are just really low because there are so many people competing to get into those programs. And that they're not applying to the ones that are relatively easy to get into um, because hardly anyone applies compared to the number of places that are that available. And this was, um, this was Oxford's second uh, sort of line of argument in their reply to Lamy in, their in, in The Guardian. So Sally Mapstone, again, the pro VC of Oxford, <sighs> um, she said what our own recent in house analysis shows that subject choice is a major reason for the lower success rate. And she pointed out that black students are more likely to apply to the three uh, subjects at Oxford that attract the most applicants, and that white applicants were much more spread across the different subjects, including the less numerically competitive ones. Now, I guess uh, we're we're talking about evidence. Uh, I would point out that this own recent analysis that Oxford has done, I don't doubt they've done it, but it's not been made available publicly. They've not published it. They won't give it to you if, to have a look at if you ask them. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a real problem. Because it, that means that this is just an assertion at the moment, right? Vicky, can I ask, do we know what those three subjects are? Uh, are? Yes, yeah, they, they did say I think they are PPE, medicine, and e- economics oh, and management. management. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Are you from Oxford? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, There's Somebody else here who's more currently <laughs> from Oxford than me. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, Cambridge have said the same thing, black and Asian students tend to apply to the more competitive subjects such as medicine, which means that's why their the offer rates are disproportionately lower, um, and it's become something of the received wisdom, I'd say, that this is a big part of the explanation, and this in fact explains it all away. Um, even um, Les Ebden at uh, the Office for Fair Access has, um, in a few interviews, uh, Discussed this as well, you know, saying that, that he's, one of the interesting things I've discovered is that it's to do with a p- applying predominantly to medicine and law, and these are really hard, really competitive subjects with many people seeking places. Um, and I, this is, I don't mean to attack Les here. I think he's repeating in good faith what what he's been told. But I think there's a danger that it becomes, uh, oh, okay, yeah, that's probably what it is. Then that's fine. We don't need to sort, sort of look at the figures and see if that's really the case. Um, we can take it on, on the word of Oxford and Cambridge. So what one of the things I want to do is I want to obviously acknowledge that it is true that ethnic minority applica- applicants do focus on particular subject areas, and arguably there are good reasons to do so. You know, Not least if you think about uh, expectations for potential labour market discrimination, it might be sensible to choose to do uh, a degree that leads to... a uh, a professional qualification that gives you some um, more certainty about your labor market prospects yeah to do medicine to do law, maybe to do business to be self employed so there are good reasons why ethnic minorities might be concentrated in certain subjects and not do classics, for example um, and it's, and it 's true to say that some of the subjects that minorities are concentrated in are um, among the most popular courses right so the, so the, this claim is not rubbish but uh, it doesn't necessarily follow that once we factor that in, the offer rate disparities disappear. <coughs> okay, so we're going to look at that empirically. Are you guys with me so far? Do you want to ask anything so far? Okay, so now I'm going to give you a fourth positive explanation. It's one positive by me from things that, patterns that I noticed when I was analysing UCAS data previously, when I've analysed Oxford's data uh, when I was a PhD student there. Um, and it's quite a controversial hypothesis, and I'd be really interested to, to get your response to it, OK? <coughs> so, positive explanation number four is that perhaps admissions selectors are seeking, whether they realise it or not, to end up with a, a student body at the end of the day, an entering class at the end of the day, that is, is the, has the right balance... of of different ethnic groups Uh, the right balance in the sense of it it reflects its representative of say the national population and we saw previously that about 20 percent of young people are from ethnic minority backgrounds so uh, let's have a 20 percent of our new intake to law at King's be uh, be from ethnic minority backgrounds now this is problematic in, in, in a way, if this is the case, because as we, we know that ethnic minority applicants are concentrated in certain subjects, and we also know that they're concentrated in certain institutions, right, particularly ones uh, in areas of uh, higher residential concentration for ethnic minorities, so London institutions, Birmingham, Manchester, uh, the Russell Group universities there um, and particularly the, you know, the business, the law, the medicine courses in those uh, universities will attract quite large numbers of ethnic minority applicants, way, well in excess of the 20% that, w- that, w- that is the case nationally. Yeah? And other universities like Durham, even for its law and business and medicine programmes, will have very few ethnic minority applicants because of where it is. We know that ethnic minority applicants are more likely than their white peers to apply close to home, so there's a, there are good reasons for these patterns of where people apply, which course, institution combinations people apply to. But because because of this fact, we we can get into difficulties. So if if admission selectors and universities are thinking that what that what is fair is to end up with an ultimately representative, ethnically representative uh, student body, uh, and that this that this is what matters this is what fairness is rather than equal treatment of people during the process of uh, admission then what this may well lead to is a disproportionate rejection of ethnic minority applicants in cases where they are in excess of 20% of the applicants that are that are received yeah does that make sense yeah okay it depends where you set the boundaries to your wider population <coughs> really, so the trench... Yeah. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. most of our undergraduates, uh, a high proportion of our undergraduates, come from Bloomsham Tower Hamlets and Newham, which are highly populated by uh, black and minority ethnic uh, students. Absolutely. Whereas um, I'm sitting next to somebody from UEA, Norwich is hardly a hotbed of uh, uh, cultural diversity uh, in the same sense. I'm a (laughs) new artist. No, that is a a very good point. so our reference points really do matter here whether we're thinking about the lo- locality and obviously, not obviously but in reality I think um, Russell Group universities, other another highly academically selective and highly popular universities don't think about local populations they think about if national probably international populations as well yeah. so I think if anything they're thinking about the national demographics, not the local ones but you're absolutely right that's their identity. They're a national Exactly, exactly but true that, in many cases. yeah. but that doesn't mean that it's not obvious which would be the legitimate comparator, whether it should be the local or the national. Okay. Now, I would argue that there's some evidence to, to indicate that universities do think about fairness as being about the representativeness of the student body compared to the national population. So there's some, uh, there's some research, case study research at Leeds that showed, that found that, um, that a particular department would say, oh, we're doing fine on Um, uh, ethnic equality here because we've got about 5% of our students are ethnic minorities and that's what the 1991 census said it should be so we're doing alright. So they were using outdated information and they were using (laughs) um, national comparison figures. And you only have to look at the access agreements that are out at the moment to see that when the universities are talking about whether they're doing okay in terms of ethnic diversity and equality, they, they, may, they mainly point to how their percentage of minorities are among, in their student body compares to the national representation. That's what they do. It's a kind of a default uh, and a quite simplistic way to think of things. Now, you could say it's legitimate to do that. You could say it's, that's f- an okay thing to do from a kind of philosophical point of view. You could say maybe it is legitimate to pursue representativeness at the aggregate level, let's get things fair and right and appropriate at the aggregate level, even if it means uh, treating people unequally in the process of admission. And I guess we do that when we think about widening participation for people from state schools, lower socioeconomic backgrounds, don't we? We say, you know, if you think about using contextual data, we say, I think we say, let's... let's, um, Let's think about giving state school applicants a better chance, a more favorable chance of getting in than independent school applicants with the same grades, uh, because state school people are re- comparatively underrepresented at in, hi- in HE overall or at this institution. So we do often think about representativeness as the, the fairness goal rather than process. Uh, and arguably that's unfair, right, to, the, to independent school applicants, right Arguably that's not. Uh, that's treating them unequally and, and putting them at a disadvantage but obviously if you think it through you kind of go well it's not actually putting independent school applicants at a disadvantage what it's doing is it's correcting for the massive advantages that they've had so far and actually only partially correcting for them right so, it's, so really philosophically they're not actually being unfairly treated in the process um, it's just that we're not continuing to favour them as, as they have been uh, all the way so far but you can't actually apply that argument to ethnic minorities you can't say ethnic minorities are 40% of the applicants to medicine at Imperial and this is wrong we need to correct it, that down because they're a privileged group and we want to um, give white people a bit of advantage uh, back, obviously that doesn't, that doesn't work that by no stretch of the imagination could you really say that um, ethnic minorities are advan- an advantage group in the way that Private school applicants are. So it's actually a genuine trade here. If we want to make medicine, at king's, did they do medicine at kings, medicine kings, medicine imperial um, ethnically representative, then we can only do that actually by being unfair to ethnic minority applicants and unfairly uh, rejecting them, which I would say is not not appropriate. Regardless of what you think philosophically. You're not actually allowed to treat applicants differently uh, in the admissions process uh, on the basis of ethnicity because, of course, it's a protected characteristic in equalities law. You can do it with the school type or socioeconomic background because, as we know, that, that didn't get included in the equalities uh, legislation, unfortunately, and tellingly. But ethnicity did, and so actually the, you know, there would, there's potential legal implications if, if there is differential treatment. Um, of applicants based on ethnicity and related to how many applicants there are proportionately from different groups. Okay, So I'm gonna try and test that fourth hypothesis as well, as best I can with the, the tools and data available. So let me tell you a bit about the empirical component of this work then and tell you about the data and methods that I'm gonna use to try and test these, these claims. I'm using UCAS data, I'm using individual level applicant data uh, so it's, it, the population is restricted to people who are applying to full-time uh, undergraduate courses. No, no information about part t- part-timers, unfortunately. But given that I'm focusing on the Russell Group, it's more or less irrelevant. They don't really do part-time provision. Yeah. If you can ask the question, are you, you including overseas students? No. It's restricted to to home oh, okay. home applicants, yeah. UK does that. Uh, Yes, yeah. yes. I have a 10% randomly selected sample of all home applicants in each of these three years. Uh, a 10% sample sounds quite small, but it's actually quite a large number, although not actually not really b- that big a number when, when you're thinking about looking at ethnic minorities because obviously this, you know, the the, subs, the subsamples of ethnic minorities get a bit small, so I'd actually like to be able to analyse the whole data set. Um, but I've got 150,000 applications to Russell Group universities that are collectively submitted by about 70,000 applicants. So I'm using application, individual applications rather than applicants as my unit of analysis here. And basically what I'm doing, for those of you who like to know what particular statistical model is being used, th- those of you who don't ignore this next sentence, I'm using binary logistic regression models. And basically what these models are going to do is they're going to say what are the odds of getting an offer from a Russell Group university rather than being rejected, given your ethnicity, given that you're from one of these ethnic minority groups rather than the white group. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to f- control statistically for things like A-level grades, A-level subjects, how, how many other people are seeking to get on the course that you've chosen, and so on. So these are the variables, uh, the bits of information that are going to go in the model to predict whether you get an offer from a Russell Group University given that you've applied. So obviously I'm going to put in the model ethnicity, right? And this is self-declared by applicants to UCAS. Uh, It's important to realise that actually admission selectors don't know what ethnicity has been declared by any of the applicants. They get that information much, much later. Um, But I would argue that there are lots of clues in application forms about someone's ethnicity or at the very least whether they're probably not white British yeah Um, not least people's names people's names are visible to selectors which seems odd given that UCAS does have these anonymous ID numbers nonetheless uh, selectors get to see people's names they also know people's addresses full addresses they know what school they went to they know what they've said about themselves in a the personal statement. So I'm going to argue that admission selectors can have a good guess at what, whether the person's an ethnic minority or not, and possibly even what group. Um, I'm also going to put in my models other social background characteristics of applicants, um, the type of school they went to and their polar two category. The, the, yeah, you, you guys will be familiar with that, right? Their the local area, HE, participation rate, and put gender in and age, age as well. Then I'm going to put in how many A stars they got, how many A's, how many B's, how many C's, D's and E's at A level. Or if they did something other than A level I'm going to use the UCAS point score equivalent. And I need to point out here that I'm using data about actual grades subsequently achieved rather than the predicted grades that admission selectors would tend to have to hand. And this is because UCAS wouldn't give me predicted grades data and I have not been able to get to the bottom of why that is the case. Um, and I also have no data on AS or GCSEs. Again, UCAS wouldn't give it to me. And that's actually a, a problem. Because that information would be available to admission selectors. It is on the UCAS form. I think that's actually quite a big problem because that's what they're seeing. You're right that this is the actual fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. That's what people are seeing. Absolutely. So, I, so it's actually really crucial that UCAS does give this data to analysts like me to to see if it, that's what's going on. Yeah. There's a value in doing the other thing? There is, because that's, that, cause obviously so the predictive could be really unreliable. Well, and G- there, is, there, are, there is research about... That you, yeah, so I would argue that actually is actually the right measure to, mm-hmm. to, to test fairness. Mm-hmm. However, right. it's true that they look at predicted and they're not very reliable. It's true that they look at GCSEs and we could con- we could actually contest that, right? Why are you looking at GCSEs when that was years, a couple of years ago <coughs> for these applicants and A-levels is supposed to be the standard. Just to wrap it up briefly, yes the, the latest UCAS report shows that predicted grades are getting less and less uh, accurate, uh, mm-hmm. more and more optimistic. There's a question then as to whether there is bias in the optimism applied by mm-hmm. race within yeah. schools. Yeah. Because okay, it's certainly consistent with, the, with accuracy of So, getting a conditional offer. Yeah. yeah. So, that could be part of the systematic disadvantage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, I'm also going to control for whether or not the applicants had en- any of the eight Facilitating subjects, and I, again, I need to point out a, a limitation here that these are generically facilitating subjects, they're not specific to the course that the person applied to. Right? So, if you want to do medicine at Oxford, there's no point applying with English, literature, history, and languages, right? You're not going to get in, obviously. Um, but unfortunately, again, it's UCAS won't give me detailed enough information about the program people have applied to for me to say, right, actually, they spe- need this specific set of A level subjects. So again, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. And then I'm going to control for the numerical competitiveness of the the broad subject area at the institution that the person's applied to. So, this is very broad, this is medicine and dentistry at Oxford. Um, Oxford would be anonymized in the data that I'm looking at, so I don't know it's Oxford, but I just know it's Institution 1 out of 24. and basically, I've just calculated what's the initial rejection rate, how hard is it generally to get into this, this, this subject area at this university. And likewise, I've calculated from the data for this subject area at this university what percentage of the applicants are minorities. And I'm going to put that in as a test of my fourth hypothesis. And again, another you know, limitation of the analysis to point out is that it could be that within these broad categories of subject there are particular courses that are much more numerically competitive than others and that's where the ethnic minority applicants are concentrated so I might not be able to fully uh, take into account the numerical competitiveness of courses Um, there might might be something there that that I can't capture because I've only got these broad degree subject areas to work with and not the specific, specific course. Again if UCAS would give me the detailed data I'd be only too happy to to correct that limitation. So let's just have a l- little look at some descriptive statistics. So I've already shown you what how the the offer rate, the, chen- the percentage getting the initial offer changes oh sorry is different from the different ethnic groups. Here I'm just showing you how the A-level points differ by ethnicity and it's true that white British applicants have higher A-level points than people from black and some Asian backgrounds, but not compared to Indian, Chinese and mixed applicants. It's true that all ethnic minorities are applying to courses that have a higher initial rejection rate than the white applicants, and it's true that ethnic minorities are applying to courses that have higher concentrations of minorities, whereas white applicants are much more evenly spread across all the courses at the different institutions. Right, So I'm going to show you the results of my models, I'm not going to present it in loads of numbers with little asterisks, you'll be pleased to hear. I'm just going to present it in a series of bar charts. So what we've got here is a bar for each ethnic minority group, and this is their odds of um, getting an offer from a Russell Group university, given that they applied, relative to white applicants. So the, all the, all, the thing you need to think about is the height of the bar. Yeah. So the, the, the axis there goes up to one. If the, all these bars were right up to one, that would mean there's a one-to-one odds compared to white applicants. So uh, equity in, in offer rates. Yeah? So the fact that these are all shorter before we really controlled for anything just tells us what we already know. The offer rates are lower for, for minorities, even for the Chinese mixed and Indian groups, and especially for the black Pakistani and Bangladeshi groups. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to factor in gender, school type, polar two, data, age group, and just see if that changes things. Is it a class thing? And we see it doesn't really change things all that much. We've still seen ethnic minorities having lower offer rates. Then I'm going to control for prior attainment, A-level grades or equivalent, and see what that does. Again, it makes a little bit of a difference, but still... We'd like for like A-level grades, minority applicants are less likely to get offers. And the next bar I'm going to show you controls for how hard it is to get into the course. And what you'll see is again the bars have got bigger. It is an, it is an important part of the picture that minorities are applying to these courses where loads of other people are applying. But look, it's still far from one, isn't it, from, from for, in fact, all of these groups. And these differences are statistically significant and substantively quite big as well. So the last hypothesis to to test is this idea that as the percentage of minorities increases, it actually gets even worse for minority applicants and their their chances of getting in get even worse relative to white applicants. So I'm going to show you that result graphically as well. And this is basically it. So again, these these, these lines represent the different ethnic groups with their odds relative to the white group. So you see they're all sloping down. When... There are basically almost no minority applicants. Things are not so bad. Minorities are getting not not as favourable, but almost as favourable chances of getting in. But as the percentage of uh, applicants to that course area at that institution increases, uh, minorities are ever more disproportionately rejected. Now, I don't have any direct evidence to say it's because admissions tutors are Have this 20% in mind, or are thinking about ultimate representativeness? But I put that forward as, as a plausible uh, uh, explanation for this pattern that we're seeing, and one that I guess we would need other kinds of methods to really find out whether that explanation is what what's behind it. That's controlling for everything else: for grades, subjects, and numerical competitiveness of the course. Okay, I'm a bit short on time and I want to leave some time for discussion, so I'm going to... We've already mentioned some of these things. You know, It could be that the A-level grades of minorities are under-predicted, and if so, actually, that's, that's a whole can of worms in and of itself. Um, could be that GCSE and AS grades are poorer. If so, we want to know why. Why is it that a minority applicant who's got uh, just as good A-levels as a white applicant has such a uh, has a worse set of GCSE scores why is that the case and, and if it, that is the case should we really be put in a lot of store by GCSEs when deciding who to admit um, as I've said it might be that they don't have the specific combination of A level subjects that they need to get into the course that they've chosen if that's true that again that's a problem right? that we need to actually look at in some detail because it could be that minorities don't have as good access uh, as white as white students to to physics, to, to additional maths, that they need to go and do medicine at Cambridge. yeah. Or it could be that they're not being uh, as well informed but within their schools. We need to know this and, and we can do something about it. And as I've said, we need more detailed UCAS data to know whether it's just it's that, that, that there are particular courses that minorities are applying to that are really, really oversubscribed and that's why um, their offer rates are so much lower. I really cannot think of something that I could put into this analysis that would explain away that chart that I showed you with the lines all going down. I really can't think of some legitimate factor that would explain why it is that as the percentage of minority applicants increases, their chances of getting in relative to whites worsens and worsens. I just, I cannot. But if you have an idea, and it's something that I, especially if it's something I can test with this sort of data, be really pleased nice to hear to hear from you. But to me, I, you know, I, I don't know what it could be. So, in closing, let me just say one thing: I think that we could do worth uh, meaningfully and, wor- and be worthwhile to do is to try experimenting with taking uh, applicants' names and any other ident- ethnicity identifying information off their UCAS forms to see if that makes a difference to how um, admissions selectors, be they academics or administrators, are responding to the to applications. It's well worth doing that, I think. And we need more detailed UCAS data to get any further in a quant way with this problem. And we need, obviously need data beyond 2012, which is where my time series stopped. <coughs> and so I want to kind of flag to you, you perhaps already know this, that UCAS Uh, has decided not to let anybody have any data at the individual level whatsoever to do any analysis like this let alone the more detailed analysis that clearly uh, is needed and I uh, urge you to, I don't know, write to your MP or or whatever we need to do to make that make that change just the last thing I want to mention is next month the Runnymede are publishing uh, a report including some of the stuff I've just uh, talked about today on the, the inquiry that, that Lamy led into um, race and higher education, it comes out on the 3rd of February, it's being launched in Parliament, so I'll ask uh, SRHE to circulate um, a link to it. Uh, it's free to download on the day, so I'll stop there. Thanks very much. I look forward to your comments and questions. Thank you. Can I just first of all say thank you very much?